Hey friend, welcome to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast, where we are all about taking inspired action towards showing up as the most confident and authentic version of ourselves. My name is Jess Bergio, and I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur dedicated to sharing the behind the scenes of how others created a life and business of their dreams. Each week, you can count on multiple episodes bringing you an inside look at how you too can create the life and business of your dreams. Life and business isn't meant to be done alone. Join the Beauty Inspires Beauty community where we connect each week to share our goals, dreams, and aspirations every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Welcome back to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Bergio. And as always, I'm super excited to have this deep, thoughtful conversation I know you're going to enjoy with not only a rock star, literally, he also is a race car driver. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thank you for an invitation to share and connect and just be with you. I'm excited. I'm excited too to share you with the audience because before we hit record, we were talking about what it is that I thought they maybe needed to hear from you. And I love that you asked that question. And it's not that other guests on the show haven't asked me that particular question, but I think as I've gotten to 120 plus episodes, I've gotten more clear on what it is people are coming to me for, which is great. I've found myself in doing this work, which like we talk about is scary and hard. And sometimes it's not very sexy to not know what the fuck you're doing. Um, so these are some things that I'm excited to dive into with you because you have made it your mission to help people get unstuck from the fear to do the things that are calling them and so much more. Can I read a small smidgen of who you are with you? Because I love to do the pre intro that, you know, the guests don't get to hear, but I think sometimes I always love to give that back because we forget how awesome we are sometimes you guys, Tyler Williams is the creator of the five minute fear formula. He's a coach speaker, country music artist, race car driver, and author of I Have a Voice. He is here to help people remember how powerful they are. So I really want to ask first and foremost, because helping people remember how powerful they are, where do you think we lose that power, first of all? Because it's one thing to pick up momentum and get some confidence, which is kind of what powerful like means to me, but where do you start to see people lose that sense of power in their life? I think we lose it as early as childhood. I think somewhere between seven and 12 years old, it begins to be erased from our minds that this is something we have control over or that we could have agency over. Mm. And so pretty young. I know it's unfortunate and it's the more I research this and the more I like look into what it is that really holds people back. I mean, I think now it's kind of obvious. It's that comparison trap. It's the, nobody really wants to look silly doing something. And then you said something that really struck a chord with me. It was, we want to do the fun, sexy things, or we want to be seen as this particular person or this way. So sometimes doing the things that don't perceive, like have the perception of that to other people, we want to skip over or we want to not do, or we let be the thing that holds us back. But wouldn't you say that often some of that stuff is what sets you apart and makes you different and gives you kind of that credibility? For sure. I mean, for me, I've been a coach now for nine years mm. and I've really until recently haven't publicly talked about it because I spent a huge chunk of my life as a race car driver, a country music singer. And in my mind, those two things have this mystique about them, right? It's like this cool, sexy factor. And I can talk about it all day long. I can throw the images up on social media, put out a music video, and it looks cool. 
some people are turned off by that because like, oh, there's self-promotion, whatever. Who cares? It's my work, right? But I was afraid to share this whole side of me that was some of the most impactful work I've ever done in my life because it's helping others transform. Music is great because it's still a connection. It's a relationship. There's so many fans I met at the racetrack. They're they're life-changing experiences as well. But there's something different about looking someone in the eye one-to-one or a small group and having these in-depth conversations, seeing people and helping them be seen for the first time, sometimes maybe in their whole lifetime. You know, I had a a 43-year-old client share with me some details of her life. She goes, I've never told anybody this in four decades. And yet I was hiding that whole experience for the last decade because I was afraid that people would be like, how's this guy who sings country music and drives a race car also a coach? That's weird. He shouldn't talk about that. And so for your listeners out there, it's the idea that you, know, you might have one thing you do in life and that's amazing. Some people do, right? But what if you had three or four things you could talk about? And if you just shared them authentically, people can still connect to that and see who you are and be more attracted to you because you're multifaceted. Yes. Not only that, you're multifaceted, but we all have multiple sides to us. We all have different things that light us up, get us excited, um, that we're interested in. And I think that's the part that I see people get stuck on when they're developing you know, a brand or they're trying to create an Instagram that represents who they are in order to get clients in whatever facet that is. If it's behind the chair, if it's in any other kind of creator, creative entrepreneurship arena, it's, it's when you only show little tiny bits of yourself or if we only put out the things you think people want to see, it kind of makes you like everybody else. And the thing that makes you different is usually the thing that you don't think is that important. Um, so dig into that a little bit. Talk to us why you did keep that to yourself for so long. And where did it come in your mind that you didn't think coaching was part of what the brand could represent or that you didn't think that was maybe something that was sexy and cool? Because I think it's kind of sexy and cool that you're a coach. Well, I appreciate it. So yeah, it's just one of those things. It's a belief that I adopted, right? Nobody told me that. It was my own decision that that was what I thought about it. And again, I held on to it for almost a decade and it was because you see, especially even 10 years ago, there was a little bit more mystique behind the artist or the race car driver. And if you reveal everything, then they know too much. Right. And if they, too, if they know too much, then it's not that they won't like you, but that, but, pe- but that elusive piece, they're always certain like, oh, give me more of this, give me more of this. And yet coaching is all about depth. Mm-hmm. It's all about being seen. It felt to me the very opposite of what I was trying to do. And then what I've realized, especially with social media, I mean, you've seen, it's almost like the decentralization of power and the entertainment industry has gone through it. I mean, you've seen how movies are promoted now or not promoted because they want connection. They want the depth. They want to be super present and see the vulnerable side. And not a lot of people are willing to give that. And so for me, it was a realization that if I showed up and if I was vulnerable and practice intimacy with my audience, And let's throw the word audience to the side for a minute. People. If I was willing to be intimate and vulnerable with people, humans, people who could look you in the eye and talk to you, that sure, a group's going to go, I hate this guy. It's always going to happen, right? It might be 10% of people, but more often than not, people are going to be like, I like the guy. Might not be my style of music, but that transparency, I needed that. Mm -hmm. I needed to hear what he had to share. 
the thing that he brought to the table in that conversation, that live experience, that podcast, that message, it was 30 seconds on an Instagram story. It hit me that day that I needed that. And it wasn't because I went out and performed and did something super sexy. It was kind of the mundane experience, but it was honest. So in your career, what came first? Was it the race car driving or was it the music? Music came first. I figured, I figured you had to be a certain age to drive, but I thought I'd ask because some people fall into music later in life and it's always was a hobby or maybe it was just like a side passion, but it wasn't something they ever took seriously. Well, and now with racing, you see kids getting in go-karts at five and six years old. And true, it, it's a wild experience to see kids racing full-body stock cars at 13 years old. It's, yeah. it's a whole whole thing that didn't exist. We will not ago. be telling my son about that. That is <laughs> it, it, It's wild. But yeah, the first memory I have was singing in the bathtub, the national anthem as like a five-year-old. Um, and then middle school got into choirs and had experiences. And so from a young age, I've always made sounds. It was just something that felt supernatural. You know, I didn't have to fake it. I didn't have to go find it. I just did it. And it was one of those things that innate talent, if you want to call it that, you know, and I'm still not comfortable with my voice a lot of times. You know, really? The, oh, for sure. There, there's, there's moments where I, even I hear my own music and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I like that today. <laughs> um, but That's it's the fair. critic. It, it's yeah. the inner critic that we all have. And being in Nashville, almost every artist has some version of that at some point. And they might've recorded something and they listen back three years later. And it's like, you know, I could have sang that one line, just, just this little bit different. And that would have been the thing. Oh, I bet. Um, I, I've never really thought about it like that, but I bet you guys pick yourselves apart just as much as anybody does with anything. Right. Wow. And so it all started as a kid and then had some experiences that transformed my life and didn't sing for about a decade. And Yeah. There's a lot of decades in here. How, I mean, you look like you're 25. So how, how many, <laughs> you've lived a lot of lives. <laughs> I'm, I'm pushing 40. Okay. Fair. I'm, I'm 38. So. Okay. So there's, there's been a few, a few lives in there. There's been a few decades. Well, and it's crazy because would you say now looking back over the years, you know, who you are when you started in music is definitely not who you are now, obviously. Not at all. No. And so I've, the, evo- so much. totally the evolution from the bathtub at five to 38 years old. I mean, the experiences have shaped you, like the lessons have shaped you, listening back to those lines that you didn't like anymore have shaped you into what you're going to put out into the world in the future. And where in there between the two careers, did you decide you wanted to help other people that it wasn't just all about you anymore? Yeah, that's a great question. So I was doing music, doing racing at different points. And then they both at one point had gone, you know, I was in my mid twenties, the dream of NASCAR which was the path I was on seemed to be over. I wasn't singing at that point because I was still in this period of time where I was like, I'm just too afraid to get back on stage. Fear was overcoming my life, but I was in a relationship and there's this girl I thought I was going to marry for most of the relationship. And it got to the point where I started going, okay, it's time to get married or time to say goodbye. You know, growing up in the South, everybody's getting married in the early twenties. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was in my mid to late twenties and we were having that conversation together and it just, one of, the, one of those things where I decided to move on. And at 27 years old, I looked myself in the mirror and said, how did I end up here? You know, I don't really have the career I thought I was going to have with NASCAR. I'm not racing anymore. I don't love the work I'm doing necessarily. I don't hate it, but I'm not super passionate about it. 
And now this relationship that I thought was going to lead to this family life that I wanted is now ended. And I'm having that quarter life crisis. And that was a catalyst moment for me to do a lot of deep inner work that I'd never really done before. Mm. And, you know, of course I'd done different courses or been to events and I'd seen inspirational talks and motivation, but I hadn't really done the inner work. And so I went on a, a really deep year of in, just introspective counseling, coaching. And at the end of that year, I realized I want to give back what I've learned because there was so much that I didn't know that if I would have just known pieces of it, not even all of it, but just pieces of it at any given time from 12 years old to 17 years old to 23, what could life experience have been like? Not because my life was so bad at any of those points, but how much more present could I have been? How much more fun could I have had? How much more connection to just life in general? And when I think back to those years at 15 or 17 or 23, it's like, when I can extract more life out of that because of what I would have known, that's where the, the journey began to bring coaching. And at first it was life coaching because that's what it was. And then over the last decade has turned into business and life coaching because I, I fully believe 90% or more of our business problems are just simply life problems masquerading as something we want to call business strategy or the lack of. <laughs> Say it louder for the people in the back. It's so true. And I, I relate so much to your story and your journey around, uh, gosh, I wish I would have known xyz sooner and then you think back to all of the ways maybe you would have behaved differently or you would have made different decisions or you would have spent more time trying to communicate better um in my past i remember going to therapy and learning some of that new language around how to express yourself better uh but my partner didn't go and it was like i came home learning a different language that the other person didn't speak and so it was very hard to communicate even with my new language skills and my tools so staying in an environment where they're not open to, you know, receive that or to also be in with change, that is a very hard place to be. And it's, it's funny, even in your twenties, like giving that quarter life crisis example, it's, it's like you, you think you literally think in your early twenties that like everything should be figured out by 30, 35, like white picket fence, 2.5 kids, the golden retriever with the, in the yard, like yep. everything. And then when that doesn't happen or you know, in my case, I ended up getting divorced by 27. So I did all of the things that everybody told me were going to make me happy and fulfilled and seemingly successful. And I was like, cool, I did it all. But now what? It's not, I don't feel like everyone said I was supposed to feel. I don't, I, and then now I'm scared that what, what is there left to do? Because I've done all those things. Where's the playbook for those who this didn't work out for? Um, so this is such awesome conversation because sometimes it takes a really hard situation or a decision like you guys deciding to like, you know, break up that put you on a path of, you could have chose two paths. One could have been turned into a bartender, start drinking, try, doing all kinds of stuff that you shouldn't be doing, losing your mind that way for a year. That's what I did. Or you go the opposite way and you ask better questions and you go and you seek counsel and you seek people who have gone before you or who have been in those situations to help you get clear on what it is that you want and find answers to questions you didn't even know or think to ask yourself because they weren't they weren't part of your life. Um, so speaking to those people listening right now that they've discovered podcasts, they consume some stuff. Cause you said something like, well, of course I went to some programs and of course I did this. But I, as you said that, I was like, of course, that's not normal. Not everybody realizes that doing some of those things will expand opportunity for asking those better questions. Um, 
So what even got you excited? Like speaking to the person who has only consumed this much, right? They consume on Instagram. They listen to podcasts maybe a little bit. They're a little bit into personal development, but they're still stuck in that doing or doing what they think they're supposed to be doing. But they're feeling like we were both feeling in those situations of like, I got to make a change. This isn't really working out. It's good-ish. It's not that bad. I didn't have that bad of, you know, it's like they're almost that guilt for wanting a better life or wanting more or knowing they were meant for more. That's such a painful place to be. But sometimes I watch people just like shove it all down because they're afraid to like live a bigger life because what fear? I don't know. The pain of regret sits with so many people and they look back and they go, I wish I would have done this. And they're 25 already going, man, I I wasted life or they're 45 or even I've talked to 65 year olds and there's so much regret, but we only know what we know at any given moment. And so for those listeners who are sitting there going like, I'm doing this stuff. I want more. I don't know what it is, but they feel that hunger that there's that it's like the birth of desire. It's creating the awareness of what is even happening to begin with. You know, I, I grew up, my dad's a dentist. My mom worked in the practice. They built a successful business. And so that's where some of that motivational, inspirational stuff was coming from, but it still wasn't fully being applied in a way that felt real and tangible because it was kind of like, well, that's their thing. That's their business. And for me personally, I had to have those experiences. You know, that breakup was the catalyst moment, right? It calls the exploration. And what I uncovered is I was living with a lot of fear. There was fear that if I showed up that I might fail or did I know enough to even show up to begin with? Was I worthy enough? And so all these conversations were, were going around in my mind and it was the realization that nothing was going to happen if I didn't take action. But to take action, I had to encounter the fear. I couldn't run from it. You know, there's so many messages right now and you know, the acronym world, you know, false evidence appearing rear, uh, real with fear, right? I kind of hate it because it's true in one sense, like most of our fears are stemming from an imaginary experience. There's real trauma in the world. There's real fear. There, there's physical terror that people have experienced, right? So there, there's real stuff that's gone on. But when we're talking about putting some content out on social media, like not a whole lot's going to happen that's going to endanger your life for most people. Right. But that's the feeling, right? Yeah. And so it's getting comfortable talking about fear rather than disassociating from it. That's what that acronym does for most people. You go, oh, it's false evidence. It must not be real. So like, let's put it way over here because it doesn't exist. When in reality, it's, there's something deep within you spiking this reaction. There's something deep within you causing you to have this experience that is setting you up for failure. And the longer you disassociate, disconnect from that actual fear you're experiencing, the longer you withhold the opportunity to bring that desire to life, to, to share more of you with the people around you who can help you build your business, get more clients, connect in a way that feels really meaningful so that when you wake up and go, I hate social media today, you can actually go, oh, this is actually fun. Like people were responding to the same because I'm showing up authentically. I'm being vulnerable and I'm willing to tap into that fear. Mm -hmm. For so long, I was just afraid to do that because I thought I might be overcome by it. Right, and what's the worst that's gonna happen? I mean, I think you you share that you experienced a very fearful moment that that kind of took you out for a second. Will you share with us what that was? Yeah. So as a kid, the choir I was in at 11 years old, we got to perform at the Fox theater in Atlanta, which is a historic theater. It's 4,000 seat plus. 
this beautiful facility and Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat was coming through town. And so I got to perform at 11 years old in front of all these people for a full week of shows. And it lit me up. It was the most amazing experience. Well, we came back another year later and had the same experience. But I realized this is a career choice for people. And so I remember the final day going like, I don't want this to end. I want to do something like this forever. Not Broadway style musicals, but I wanted to perform. Well, fast forward just a few years at 13 years old, I'm now at a house party and I'm the lead singer of a band and got all my closest friends there. You know, my buddies I'm trying to impress, the, the girls I'm trying to show off for. And to get up there in the first song, we start playing. My friends are rolling through the intro and we did one thing wrong. We didn't practice. I don't know if you know much about music, but if you don't practice, especially at 13 years old, things don't typically go well. And so they start playing, rolling through the, the first song into the intro, and I miss my cue to start. I miss the intro. I can see my friend giving me the side eye, this glance of like, what are you doing, man? Like, come on, get it together. And I miss it again. And luckily for them, they're, they're, they keep playing. Finally, I get into the song. I go through the first verse, into the chorus. Here we go again, into the second verse and timing. When the lyrics were there, when I listened to it, I felt really confident. Well, now it's just us in the band. There's no voice in my headphones to prompt me. You know, it's like you're in the car and you're like, you're, you're jamming out. You think you know the words and all of a sudden it cuts out and you're like, I don't really, I don't think I know any of the song. <laughs> yeah. That's what it felt like. So here I am super panicked, didn't know what to do. And I just walked off stage. Uh... I made a beeline for the door and I didn't run away. You know, I wasn't angry. I wasn't crying, but inside I was melting down. I was the most composed, melted down individual <laughs> in the world. And so I stood in the doorway, watched my friends continue to play. And that was that. But that night, as I stood in the doorway, I said, I'll never do that again. Mm. I'll never do that again. And for 10 years, I never performed in public. Oh. And nobody else knew that I made that vow. But you did. But I knew. And all it would have taken is somebody to come alongside and say, Tyler, you'll get them next time. Hey, let's go again next weekend. And I probably would have got back up and done it. But left to my own devices in my little silo, I stayed committed to that. And look, everything plays out in our lives for a reason, right? I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now and have any impact without that moment. Sure. But to think for 10 years, I robbed not just the people who could experience the other side of that gift, but I robbed myself of the joy, the play, the fun, and the connection. I was too afraid to be seen because I didn't want to fail. So powerful. And I think even you sharing that story, people can find themselves in that story. Even if you didn't try something to that level, we all experienced some moment where we tried something around that age, maybe younger, maybe a little bit older, where we had a similar outcome. It didn't go the way we planned. We were embarrassed. We somewhat quote failed. It didn't work out. We were the last one picked. We didn't win the thing. Um, and we decide in that moment that we're never going to put ourselves in a situation like that again. A lot of people, it happens for them in relationships. Have you seen that, right? No, I had a failed marriage. I'm never getting married again. Why would I do that to me? You know, you, if you are listening, you, something has come up for you in that story. And as I say that, I feel like a lot of the work I love to do too, is like bringing us back to that moment where 
you didn't know then all the things you would rob from yourself by not showing up in ways that you could have. Doesn't mean you had to go on to be a, a great singer, but you know, there's moments where when you said, I'm never going to do that again, it probably affected so many other things in your life from you being seen and showing up and standing out. Or, you know, it takes a lot of confidence to get up and be the lead singer. It's one thing to be in the back and, you know, have the tambourine. You're like, it's not all on you. And so at 13 to have that going back to what you call like that power it's like you were standing in your power up there and it could have been so funny. You could have made a joke standing up there. Like, Oh my God, I forgot the words. You could have been the world. I mean, it could have been the beginning of your stand-up comedy career. Who knows? Or if your friends had had enough awareness to come over afterwards and say, Hey, who, what everyone messes up. It's not a big deal. Like, like you said, it could have changed the whole trajectory of how, how it all played out, but you can find power in the story that had you not gone through that experience, you would not now be able to empathize and feel what other people now feel because that is real. And that has happened to probably 99.9% .9 of people, some sort of incident like that to where it's kept them small and they don't show up in a way that they wish they could. And in that, it goes back to what we were talking about of people knowing they want more, they're meant for more. And it's in those moments that we don't give credit to, or we don't allow ourselves. Cause I'm, I've blocked out a ton of childhood shit that I'm sure was for a reason. Like when people are like, do you remember? I'm like, I don't, I literally have no recognition because I must've not been a great experience. So I don't remember. We remember the good stuff, right? You can pull up those memories, like no problem. But the other ones, you either have let them scar you for life or you've completely blocked them out. And I'm 41. So that was a lot of years from then to now. And I think watching my son go through things like that, where he's 10 and a half. And there's moments where I see the fear come up for things, whether it's baseball or like meeting new friends or feeling like he doesn't have friends. And I always try to remind him um, that it's up to him how he presents himself and his, he gets to respond rather than react to certain situations. And I'm so grateful that like I had experiences like that as well, like you did so that, you know, you, and you're raising the next generation, you want to empower them as much as I love the coaching aspect. I think it's helped me so much as a mom, a, a friend, a partner, um, be able to really see what's going on versus what people say is going on. Right. And I'm sure you experience that with your coaching clients too. Like how many of them come to you for what they say is one thing, but you ask like two to four kind of slightly deeper questions and you're like, mm -hmm. Okay, Susie. So you said that you're having a hard time getting new clients, but what I actually heard was so many other things and, and layers to that. Like you gave reference to that lady who shared with you something she had never told anybody in 40 years. When you think about conversations that we have, whether it's with clients, loved ones, children, how often do we meet them with love and kindness and empathy? And to think for ourselves, when you're experiencing fear, or there's something you want to do and you're really feeling that discomfort in life. Something's going on. You're like, I can't do it. I'm not, I don't have what it takes. I'm inadequate. I don't know enough. You know, the judgment's full on, right? Yep. That internal voice is saying all those things and you want to push it further and further away. Now, if you were to do that with a loved one in a conflict situation or a child who really needs your presence because they're going through some expression of feeling, whether that's anger or sadness, would you push them away? No, you would hopefully want to invite some form of loving kindness to understand, hey, what, tell me what's happening. Help me understand the picture, like what, what's going on for you? And it sounds basic and elementary, but how often do we treat ourselves with that same loving kindness? How often do we see the fear as the friend, 
as the child and really get to know it. To embrace the fear and the conversation that it can have with you because that ultimately is what helps that 40-year-old client tap into more of who she is and to remember her power. Mm-hmm. Without that experience, she's not able to see herself for who she is because she's blocking out something she has felt has been bad or not good. When in reality, it's one of the most beautiful parts of who she is. I love that. So when did you decide? So the coaching came into play after you had some great experience with getting coached and mentored. Were they, were those people, would you say those were the mentors that helped you get to where you are? Or are there people in your life now or between then and now that have really stood out and shaped you into who you are now, as far as a coach, a leader, um, and just, you know, the, the light worker that you are. During those early years, you know, like I said, it started about nine years ago and it's funny. I went to an Institute for professional excellence of coaching for my coaching certification. I felt like I needed to have this thing on paper. And so I started it and I did everything required over like seven months, hundreds of hours. And I didn't do one book report and one little workbook that they required to complete your final coaching certification call. There's no reason for it. I just didn't do it, but I still took all the knowledge and I coached for nine years. And I recently went back and finished it because I just felt like I needed to close the loop on this experience, right? It's one of those like mental loops we get in, but out of that experience, it was those early mentors and that first year of deep exploration and inner work that were guides for me. You know, they didn't tell me where to go or what to do, but they were just holding space for the possibilities. They were holding space that the potential is there if you want it. You, know, you have to make the decision for yourself. We can't force you to do anything, but this is your journey. You, know, you are here to create impact for people. They didn't tell me what it was going to look like, how to shape it. And it was good that they didn't. I needed the last nine years of working with small business owners and solopreneurs and entrepreneurs to see where do I fit? Was, was I going to be a life coach or was I really going to be a, a business coach? What, what did that look like? And I realized that it's a mix of all of it because that is life. We can't separate, I mean, you can't separate it, but in my experience, it doesn't go too well because unless you're coaching how to build out an Excel spreadsheet, which is the thing you can coach on, there's so much room to do deep inner work because the thing that holds you back from creating that first $10,000 month, if you're a coach or stepping out and opening up your own salon, if you're in the beauty industry, those are major decisions that have internal implications. You know, of course you can go out and seek funding or, you know, all the external stuff you can do and create, you can have a beautiful website and all the stuff. But if you don't feel confident to express yourself in the work you do, It's one thing to be expressed in the work. It's another thing to be expressed in deep connection with yourself. Being able to have those difficult conversations to fully check in, what's really going on here? Like the bottleneck is me, right? Like I know it's me, but I'm I'm unwilling to acknowledge it. So I'm taking it out on everybody else. Mm. And so those early guides, they just set the stage that most of my problems in life we're going to be directed from the inner world of my life. And if I worked on those first, or as I'm going along, all the external problems, they don't go away, 
but the magnitude decreases. Yeah. The weight of all this stuff that, I mean, look, if you're a solopreneur out in the world right now, after what we've gone through the last few years, like life's heavy. And then if you're on top of that, a mom, you get kids or you want to have kids, but you're struggling to have kids or you just have a difficult relationship or your partner, I mean, something's going on in your life. Like add on to the current state of the world and like life is really, really, really heavy. And so when you do the deeper inner work to be seen, you know, it's what, finding out how to do stuff is really easy. I agree. We can go Google. You can listen, you could listen to all your 120 episodes of this podcast and probably feel like you just got a master's degree in development. And you could probably do some really great things in your business because of information just listened here, much less all the other stuff available. The transformation happens with the people, the person, the coaches, the, the guides. And that's what I realized is that I was an individual who needed to be seen by other people to transform. Because in certain ways in my childhood, maybe I wasn't seen in ways that I might've needed to. I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, I can go, you know, I probably need a little bit more in this area. And now I can do that for other people. And what a gift that is. Honestly. And it's, it's so needed because you see how many people let those feelings hold them back from that potential that your coach said to you, like the potential is there if you want it, like what a powerful, like, and how many people have seen that potential in other people and their friends and partners. But so few times do we look inside ourselves and see the potential, you know, we think of all the things we could do, but we don't necessarily see it as potential. And it, it's almost like a gift of, you know, a blessing and a curse when you start to learn how to become more aware of your feelings. It's so much easier to play the blame game of like, this isn't my problem. I didn't create this. It's you. It's that person. It's this. But like you said, so often it's, I'm the bottleneck. I'm the reason why this flow isn't happening. I'm the reason why the team isn't being led properly because I can't even lead myself. So I'm sure you've seen some massive transformations in your clients from when they start working with you to where they get to, but what are some of the main things that people come to you for um, when they want to coach? Is it mostly based around I'm stuck in this situation? I need help getting here or how, like, what is the main thing that people are drawn to you for? So I see people really deeply. So people are coming to me for their ideas, their beliefs, their messaging to be seen. To, to craft a, a line story around how they're showing up in the world so they can do really meaningful work and, and craft some, some deep connection. They know that they may need some willpower, some emotional intelligence, the ability to tap into some intuition. And the one thing that's often overlooked by so many entrepreneurs is rest. How do we rest? How do we create space to recharge so that we can go out and keep doing the thing without burning out? Mm-hmm. And so people are leaving uh, with, with a deeper sense of ambition, feeling rooted in, in life, just to be inspired by their mission. You know, I, I work with dreamers, lovers, and innovators. People of the world who have big dreams, who love deeply, and who want to create change in innovative ways. And so helping people tap into that in a way that is a bit disruptive sometimes, but also having massive amounts of empathy to allow them to, to be seen in a way that oftentimes they, they haven't and then leverage their position to go out and do what they do best. As a man in the world, I feel really honored to hold that space for both men and women as clients because 
there just aren't a lot of men doing this work. And so to be able to do that is a really powerful position. And again, I, when you get immersed in the world, you, you have a sense of what's normal. You know, it's, these conversations for me become normal and routine, but you realize when you step out of the coaching hat for a minute, these are not normal conversations. And most people are walking around feeling unseen, unheard, missed, not known, and they're carrying around the weight and the baggage of the world, potentially some of the fears and traumas that are a little bit deeper than just the, well, I'm afraid to go give that speech in front of the class or the boardroom or get online and share that live, there, there's some deep rooted trauma that needs to be expressed. And so to be able to hold space for clients in a coaching environment that offers that level of safety and intimacy, yet fully allowing them to claim their power and break through the fear is really powerful. So good. I feel like I'm just sitting in this yumminess feeling of like a mix between your voice, the tone of your voice, <laughs> what you're saying, how you're saying it, and just the feeling I'm feeling for the potential people who get to work with you, how they, how I know they can feel and how I know they probably feel now being stuck in those feelings of unworthiness, the limiting beliefs, the self-sabotage, the trauma, all of the things. And this, you know, listening to you talk about coaching, this isn't and never is on my podcast, a plug to work with somebody or to not, it's to create awareness around what you might need in your life and to create the space to bring that in. You know, I think we, we would give so much to so many other people, especially if you're a parent, you give so much to your kids, your friends, your spouse, but when you can take the time to prioritize yourself and work with somebody that can create that for you so that you can leave feeling like that or have those tools to take care of yourself. It's only going to make you a better friend, mother, partner, like all of the things. And that's been my experience with working with mentors and coaches over the years. And it was, it was always when I didn't want to show up for a call. It was always when I didn't think I needed to do the work or oh, I don't have time or, Oh, that's going to be so hard that I had the best call session exercise was done, like breakthrough happened, uh, clarity was had. And so, you know, I challenge anybody listening that if you are like, okay, this podcast is almost, almost over my, my drive to work's almost done. My walk's almost over that you just pause for a second, even if it's right now and just reflect on your own path um, and your past as to what it is you've done. Is it working? Has it got you to where you want? How are you feeling? What does this conversation make you feel like if you made it this far with us? Because I think it's the reason I started this podcast was so that I could have conversations with interesting, epic people at this level. So if you don't have those people in your life, um, I don't, I didn't have them before. Did you have them before you started doing the work? Not really. Right. And it's, it's up to us to create and find those people and to give yourself the opportunity to, to be seen and to figure out what your potential is so that you don't have that feeling of, I wish I would have, or if only I had, or it's, I didn't get to because I had this experience. Um, Tyler, I just think the work that you're doing is so important. And, and I just, how can people get more of you and stay around that yummy feeling that I'm feeling right now? And hopefully our listeners are feeling too while they listen to this. Well, I certainly appreciate it. And that that's the power of coaching, right? You know, I didn't mention much about money or sales, but all that comes from the work you do when you yeah. do the inner work. And so in one-to-one -one environments, small group coaching, uh, you can find me at breakingtherule.com. That's breakingtherule.com. You can learn more about the, the work I do as a coach. 
And it's not just the mindset work, it's getting into the body. So I uh, combine mindset work with somatic breathwork experiences because we can tap into the mind, we can journal all day long, but there's something else that we know and that's the body understands some things that sometimes we don't. So we do really powerful coaching, um, very intimate settings, small groups, one-to-one. And if you wanna be seen and you wanna be held in a way that maybe you haven't before, and if you're a female, particularly from a masculine presence, uh, if that's something you're looking for. Uh, I love creating connections. So even on Instagram, T Williams live, uh, send a, a, just a connection and share what fears you're working on, breaking through, claiming your power. Just love to have conversations. And then something fun that um, launching this November is an experience in person in Nashville called the Fear Formula Activation. And it's a, a day and a half experience. And this is going to be a women's only event in Nashville. And we're just going to activate your life. So you want to dream bigger, you want to love deeper and innovate and change your life. We're going to have a beautiful experience to tap into some creativity, some innovation, and maybe see yourself for the first time. Mm. Oh, does that sound scary for those of you who like really like to not be seen? Um, if this is like kind of triggering and you're like, mm, I don't want to be seen. I've worked so hard to not be seen. I like to blend in. I like to not no, you're listening to this podcast right now for a reason. And even if you're just curious what it's about, shoot him a DM, ask him some more questions, see what it, it's really all about. And if it's maybe the first time you put yourself out there in a situation um, where you get to give yourself that experience of what could, what could be, what is possible? How could I leave feeling? I guarantee you 100% of the time that I've ever gone to an event or done something like that, I was 1000% uncomfortable but I 100% came out a better person, a more informed person, a more aware person. And 99.9% .9 of the time, I released some bullshit stories that I had been so rooted in telling myself that had kept me stuck, kept me playing small and not showing up and why I started this podcast four years late. But, you know, I'm always late to the party and that's okay. It's fashionably late. Ne never, <laughs> never late. Always on time. I love that. That's my new country song. You're going to sing. Will you write that for me? Let's do it. I won't sing it. I will. I'll, just, <laughs> I'll do the tambourine in the back. Um, thank you so much for just sharing your wisdom and just your perspective, because that's what I just always like to bring people is a different perspective on things. Maybe they hadn't given a ton of thought to things. Um, and that's what coaching really is, right? It's not for us to tell anybody what to do or how to do it. It's an experience we had. We saw how it helped us. And we in turn, turn that around in ways that we could help other people, but it's, it's not to talk anybody into becoming a coach or stepping into that level of whatever, but just showing up as the leader in your own life, whether it's to lead your family, lead as a mom, lead as a partner, a friend, um, people who take the time to do the work end up kind of rising to the top and becoming the leaders for the next generation or the next group that you're around. Or as you level up, you start to attract people um, into your life that hold you to a higher standard that can see the potential in you rather than saying, don't do that. That's a dumb idea. Or you could never, you want to stay around people who have that elevated, like, yeah, dream bigger. Your dream's not big enough. I'm coming with you. So we challenge you just to like really embrace these things we talked about today, because yeah, sometimes they make you get a little sweaty and they make you feel like, Ooh, but they also have so much magic and potential behind them. So I love that you touched on breath work too, because my listeners know I'm obsessed with that as well. But what human design are you by chance before I let you go? Do you know? I do know I am a one, three emotional projector. 
I knew we were the same. Yes, I could just feel your energy. I'm like, he's a projector for sure. So I'm in a human design class right now. So I'm going to plug myself. You guys, when this episode comes out, I should be almost ready to do uh, practice reads on people. So if you want to know what your human design is, I highly recommend you like look it up and you can do easy online. It's it's not a test. It's just based off of when you were born. And it just, how would you say knowing what you are has helped you come into even being a leader and a coach? It's helped me trust myself more, my instincts, my intuition. And I never was one to seek out the outside world for validation, but it's given me such a deep rooted sense of confidence that when sometimes I think I might be tiptoeing in some areas where it doesn't feel right or you know just kind of questioning it's like no just trust yourself you know you know yep and my fullest expression is the greatest gift I can give the world just as each one of your listeners the greatest gift you will give yourself is your fullest expression don't rob the people around you don't rob yourself of your fullest expression you will rub some feathers the wrong way. You will hurt some people's feelings when you start showing up authentically yourself, but the world needs you. And more importantly, you need you. Mm. And on that note, if you love this episode, please send it to somebody else who could, could just soak in this yummy goodness. And we would love to hear your feedback. If you uh, want to tag us on social media, tell us your aha, your takeaway. If you don't want to post it on there, send it in a DM. We always love to hear from you. Tyler, thank you so much for your time today. And we will see you guys on the next one. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, it would mean so much to me if you could share it with a girlfriend. Like send it to her right now or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me get the message out to more people. So until next time, be you unapologetically. Yeah,